I love those songs, man. I love those songs. As I, as I get older in my walk, um, I'm a teenager in, 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 in Christian years. I'm, I'm, a, I'm 15 years old in, in born-again years. And as I get older, um, man, I, 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 get, I get the older people in the faith. We're like, arr, arr, we got to sing hymns, you know? Like, I get them now because it's like there's, there's no, um, like, the hymns don't waste words, you know? They don't waste any time. They just get right into, like, truth, biblical truth. They, they, those songs preach. And as I get a little older in the Lord, I'm not that old. There's I me mean, got, like, Pastor Steve, he's, like, 40 years in the Lord. But as I get older in the Lord, I just appreciate so much more these, these songs that, um, where it's just, it's just truth. You know, it's, it's not so much poetry. It's just, it's just truth, you know? Um, I was thinking of a song as I was, like, what song was it that I was thinking of? Ah, darn it. I don't know, but it's just like, yeah, I've, I've made fun of this song before. Not that it's a bad song, but, you know, your love is like radiant diamonds, you know, like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's too poetic for me. Like I'm at a point where it's like, I just want to sing facts about God. I just want to sing facts about Jesus. And I just want to proclaim these facts about Jesus because that's enough. It's enough, you know. Um, but anyway, I don't know why. It's just those songs are so good. Um, okay, I have a limited amount of time because uh, for a lot of you, a lot of you know, today is the day that we are celebrating our Friendsgiving. Um, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Colossians. Turn to Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians. We're just going to read through some things. Um, and as you guys turn there and as we prepare, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for bringing us all here tonight, Lord. Um, I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful for the new faces that, that I see. And so, Lord, I just pray tonight that you would speak, um, that, you would, that you would preach to us, Lord. I pray that you would empty us of ourselves, and I pray that you would fill this place uh, with your presence. I know you're already here, God. Uh, your word says that where two or more of your believers are gathered, you're there in the midst, Lord. And so we're here. And so I know you're here, God. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys. So we're going we're gonna to start in verse 9 of Colossians chapter 1. Um, but before we do that, just a little bit of context, brief context for what we're going to be reading. So Paul is writing to this church in Colossae, Colossae, Colossae. I don't know how you pronounce it. Pronounce it however you want. To this place where the Colossians live. And um, he's never met these people. He, didn't, he wasn't the one who preached the gospel to these people. Somebody else did. I think it was Epaphras. And but he's writing to these people because he's hearing about like their amazing faith, the, the love that they have. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's just hearing a bunch of amazing things about these people and, and to, about, the, about these Colossians. And so with that, having that as kind of a little bit of context, let's start in verse 9. It says this, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, meaning the day we heard about all the good stuff about you guys, we haven't stopped praying for you. 
we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. And we'll pause there. Now, I just want to point out that this is an amazing prayer that Paul is saying he's praying for these people. So if you guys are ever wondering how you can pray for your brothers and your sisters, or even how you can pray for yourself, like this is a good place to start. This is an amazing place to start. This is an amazing prayer. Like, I just want to go through it briefly. He's, he's saying, we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, of God's will, that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Like to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. What an amazing thing to pray for somebody. And I pray that you guys, that all of you, all of you who are believers in here, and, and those of you who aren't believers, I still want to pray this for you because I... It is an amazing thing. I pray that every single one of you in here, that you would be filled with the knowledge of God, that you would be filled with the will of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And it's interesting that he says in all spiritual understanding because you guys, God is spirit. If, if you are trying to understand God from a natural perspective, from, from the, a naturalistic perspective, you're gonna miss the mark. You know, I was talking to my wife the other morning, it might have been this morning, and, you know, we we're talking about the whole Israel, the, the, the whole conflict over there. And, um, you know, just so y'all know, you know, we are for God's people. So if that bothers you, the door's right there. But so, like, we were talking about it, and I was like, you know, like, from a naturalistic perspective, I can see why people are kind of have a problem. I can see why people are like, oh, Israel's the occupier, you know? Like, I could see that. I could see, from a naturalistic perspective, I can see that. But, for, but from a naturalistic perspective, I also saw that, hey, sex before marriage wasn't a bad idea. From a naturalistic perspective, I also thought, oh, getting drunk and partying wasn't a bad idea. From a naturalistic perspective, getting high was not a bad idea. You can't understand God from a naturalistic perspective. That's why Paul is praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. Wisdom begins with God. And spiritual understanding. In 1 Corinthians, I forget which chapter, it might be chapter four. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul is saying that the natural man doesn't understand the things of God because these things are spiritually discerned. In order for you to understand the things of God, you have to be able to spiritually discern things. And in order for you to be able to spiritually discern things, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's only one way to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's to be born again. That's to come into a saving faith in Jesus Christ. So he says, I hope you're filled with his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? So that you may walk worthy of the Lord. We're not attaining this knowledge and wisdom just for the sake of attaining the knowledge of wisdom. It's so that we can walk worthy of the Lord. We can walk worthy of the Lord. What does it mean to walk worthy of the Lord? To be fully pleasing to him. To walk in a way that is pleasing to God. Bearing fruit in every good work. 
bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. God, Paul is praying, I I pray that you are filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you can walk worthy of the Lord, so you can bear fruit in all the good works, and so that you can continue to grow in your knowledge of God. Guys, this is a relationship. To know God, this is a relationship. And in all that, verse 11, you'll be strengthened with all power. Why? Because the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit, he now lives inside of us. So we will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, that same might that raised Jesus from the dead, so that you may have great endurance. Guys, we need this power to have endurance. This life can get hard because we are foreigners in this world. For those of us who are believers who are born again, this is not our home. Our home is with Jesus. We are spiritually already there, but physically we're here We're in a foreign land, enemy territory, and it will get hard. It does get hard. And so all of these things being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so we can have great endurance and patience as we go through this stuff, joyfully giving thanks to God the Father who has enabled you to share in the same and the saints' inheritance in the light. That's an amazing prayer. So if you guys don't take anything away from tonight, take this away. Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer for yourself. Pray that prayer for your brothers and sisters. And pray that prayer for non-believers because you want them to come into this saving faith in Jesus Christ as well. But let's continue. And, and, and as, as, we, as, we, as we come to this Friendsgiving, why do we have Friendsgiving? Well, because Thanksgiving is next week. And why do we have Thanksgiving? Because it was, it's a day that we, that, we, that, we, that we are thankful. We recognize our gratitude to God. So here we are entering into the the thanksgiving, verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Giving thanks to God for the gospel. Thank you, God, for the gospel. Thank you, God, for the good news. Thank you, God, for your grace. Because every single one of us is born dead in our sins and our trespasses. We are all born with this debt. We have accumulated a debt. That debt is sin. We sin against God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So every time that we sin against God, it's like we're racking up, we're racking up a, a payment. God is going to pay us. He's going to give us a paycheck, and that paycheck is going to be death. Eternal damnation, separated from God, suffering under the, God, the, the wrath of God forever. Every single one of us is born with this because of our ancestors, Adam and Eve, because they did the same thing, they disobeyed God. But thank you, God, that according to verse 13, he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. He's rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We went over this a few weeks ago, and I feel like it keeps coming up because I keep bringing it up because I love it. But in John chapter 3, verses, uh, verses 20 and 21, it says, this is Jesus speaking. It says, for everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. Everyone who, who does evil, everyone who, who sins, everyone who loves their sin, 
They stay away from the light. How many of you guys know people who are like, no, I'm not going to go to church? They don't want to go to church because they feel like they're going to burn in their seat. <laughs> they don't want to come to the light. No, I don't want to go to church, either because they feel ashamed or they're proud. Like, no, I don't need that. I don't need God. I can worship God here. God is here. He's everywhere, man. But how many of us, we know people like this. The, 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 Jesus said, everyone who does evil and sin is evil, no matter how you look at it, sin is evil, whether there are victims or not, sin is evil because God is good and God is holy and sin is the breaking of God's law. So sin is evil. He said, everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. Like, I'm not gonna go into that light. I don't want, I don't want this to be seen. I wanna keep this. But anyone who lives by the truth, Jesus says, anyone who lives by the truth, they come to the light. Anyone who wants to live by the truth, they say, I'm, I'm coming to the light. I'm bringing all my baggage. I'm bringing all my sin. I'm bringing all my evil. I'm going to come into this light. And what does Jesus say? He says, anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. People who love their evil, they want to stay in the dark because they feel if they go to the light, they're going to be exposed. But Jesus is saying, everybody who comes to the light in order to be exposed, you're not going to be exposed. Your sin isn't going to be exposed because when you come to the light in humility, falling on the grace and mercy of God, like you're, you're ready to take it. You're like, okay, here, here it is, God. Here's everything that I've done. The only thing that God sees is his accomplished work. And what is his accomplished work? Well, God entered into this world as a man in Jesus. Jesus was God before the foundation of the world. He came into this earth and he lived a perfect life, never breaking God's laws, never did anything evil, never sinned. But he went to the cross carrying all of our sins. He took all of our sins with him. And while he was on that cross, while he was being flogged, while he was suffering, God was pouring out his wrath. God was pouring out the punishment that should have been placed on you. He was placing it on his one and only son so that Jesus would be a sacrifice on our behalf. You didn't do anything to deserve this. All you've ever done is sin against God, but God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you. All the things that you do in your life, all the ways that you sin in your life, all the ways that you're like, nah, nah, I'm just being me. This is my true self. I'm living my truth. Your truth is sin to God. My truth was partying and drinking and fornication and all of these things. Your truth may, well, my truth is also stealing and lying and, let's see, dishonoring my parents. So let's see what else, coveting. You know, like, that was my truth, but I was living my truth. Some of you in here, maybe your truth was also those things, lying and stealing. Some of you in here, maybe your truth is, is living a homosexual lifestyle. Some of you in here, maybe your truth is... is What's your truth? I'm, I'm just kidding. You don't have to expose yourself. <laughs> but you guys, we all have a truth that we live, especially those, if, if you're a Christian in here, before you came to Christ, there was a truth that you were living, but your truth was sin. You've done nothing to earn the grace of God, but God is like, I love you so much. I created you. I created you in my image. You are not a monkey. You are not a shark. You are not an ant. You are, you, you, you are not like any of these other things. I have created you in my image, and I love you, and my intention for creating you was to have a relationship with you because I love you. 
Life, this is God speaking, life with me is so much better. And that's what I wanted to give you, life with me. But just like your forefathers, Adam and Eve, you chose something else. You walked away from me. You chose your own way. But I still love you. My love for you does not change. Even though you've done these things, I still love you, so I'm going to die for you. Your sin has earned you a penalty, but I'm going to pay that penalty for you. It's like you get a traffic ticket and somebody pays the fine for you. That's what Jesus did. He paid the fine for you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. This this is what it means when he has transferred us from the domain of darkness, from our sin, into the kingdom of his son that he loves. This is what he's done. Thank you, God, for the gospel. Thank you. Thank you so much. In Christ, we have redemption. We have been bought back. God has bought us back because of what Jesus has done, if you believe. It's not just automatic. It doesn't, oh, I'm a human, so it automatically gets applied to me. No, you have to believe. You have to understand. You, you have to believe, first of all, that you even need a savior. Because let me tell you, for the first 18, 19 years of my life, I didn't need a savior. What did I need a savior for? I'm just having fun. But I finally came to a point where it's like, oh, no, no, I need a savior. My eyes were open to the truth. My life is sin. I sin all the time. Like my my life is just full of sin, full of selfishness, full of myself. And God finally opened my eyes to see, oh, wow, I need a savior. God can't save somebody who doesn't think they need saving. Jesus didn't come for the righteous The righteous don't need a savior. He came for sinners. He came for me. And for those of you in here who are believers, he came for you when you were a sinner. And that's how great his love is. He loved you so much that he died for you while you were a sinner. While you were his enemy, he died for you. That is the the magnitude of God's love. He proved his love to you in that while you were a sinner, he died for you. That's amazing. And in him, in our belief in that, we have forgiveness of sins. Praise God. And so let's keep going. Verse 15. We're just going to stop randomly. I know what time I need to stop, and we'll just stop randomly. It doesn't matter where we are. Uh, But verse 15 is talking about Jesus now. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, the first thank you, my, my first thank you is thank you, God, for your gospel. Thank you, God, for your good news. My second thank you is Thank you that it's all about you. Thank you, God, that it's all about you. Because if it were all about me, I'm very disappointing. I am very disappointing. I disappoint myself. If it were all about me, that would be a very disappointing and hopeless life. But I thank you, God, for your gospel, and I thank you, God, that it's all about you. Because here's the amazing thing. Even though, like, we get the benefit, like, the gospel, God came and died for us. So it would make you think that, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's all about me. He came to die for me. No. It is all about him. Because it is a glorious thing that he did. And he is the image of the invisible God. Uh, in Hebrews 1, chapter 3, I'm going to try and turn there real quick. In Hebrews 1, chapter 3. Hebrews 1, verse 3, it says, The Son, speaking of Jesus, the Son is the radiance 
of God's glory and the exact express expression of his nature. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We cannot see God. God is spirit. He is invisible. We cannot see him. But Jesus, he came to reveal who God was. In, uh, in John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, No one, no one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God. <sighs> oh, man, that's good. Let me read that again. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. How does that make sense? The one and only son who himself is God. Is at the father's side. God the father's side. He is God. And he's at God the father's side. How does that make sense? Man, God is, is a triunity. God is the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And this right here, I mean, this, I mean, there, there are other parts of the Bible that talk about it, but hey, right here. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He revealed who God was. He, he was the, the physical representation of who God is. In John 14, verse 9. Let's start in verse 8. Start in verse 6. Start in verse 5. <laughs> Let's start in John chapter 1. <laughs> no, John 14, verse 5. This is Thomas speaking. Lord, we don't know where you're going. Jesus is telling his disciples that he's about to go somewhere. He's about to leave. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way. Woo. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the father and that is enough for us. Verse nine, Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? Did you guys catch that? Philip said, show us the father. Show us the Father. We want to know who the Father is, and that will be enough. And Jesus says, have I been with you all this time, and you don't know me yet? And then he goes on to say, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Speaking about Jesus, this is a prophecy about Jesus, about his birth. Christmas is coming up. It says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and these will be his names. This, this isn't like his name, name. Like this wasn't going to be on his birth certificate, but these are the names that were going to describe who he, who he was going to be. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor. Remember, this is speaking about Jesus. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. 
Jesus is the image of the invisible God. It's all about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. And, and then it goes on to say in Colossians 15, uh, 115, it says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, a lot of people, they, they think firstborn means, oh, that means he was created. No, that word in the Greek, it means like to have uh, priority. He, he is of first rank. He is of first importance. He is the firstborn of, over, of all, of, over all creation. You know, God in, in one of the Psalms, I think it's Psalm... Might be 92, might be 89. But in one of the Psalms, he talks about how David is his firstborn. He, that David wasn't his firstborn. It, it just meant that he was the, the preeminent one, the, 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 the first priority. He, he was the first rank as far as kings. But then also that verse was talking about Jesus. It was a prophecy about his kingship. Anyway, he's the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is the first rank. He has first rank over everything. And, 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 and if you begin to think, well, firstborn of all creation, that means he was created. You can't convince me otherwise. Okay, well, let's move on to verse 16. It says, for everything was created by him. Everything was created by Jesus in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus. It is all about Jesus. All things have been created through him, and all things have been created for him. Thank you that everything is about Jesus. And if everything has been created for him, then you have been created for him. God created you for himself. That's relationship. That's love. God created you so that you can enjoy him. It's all about Jesus. Verse 17 goes on to say, he is before all things. Before everything happened, Jesus was already there. Going back to John chapter one, in the very first verses, it says, in the beginning was the word, and this is talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word uh, was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Before anything was created, Jesus was already there because Jesus is God. It's all about Jesus. He is before all things, and by him, all things hold together. Looking back at Hebrews chapter 1, by Jesus, all things hold together together. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 again. After it says, uh, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. He sustains all things by his powerful word. Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. If he says something, it's going to happen. He sustains all of us by his word. If he says it, it's going to happen. And guess what he has said about those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, who put their faith in him and what he has done on the cross. He says, you are forgiven. He says, you've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of, of, of his kingdom. He says that you are, no longer a, uh, you are no longer a sinner, spiritually speaking. You are clean. He says, you are holy. He says, you are perfect. 
He's going to cause you. He, it's because of him that you are going to stand before God, holy and blameless, in the presence of his glory with great joy. So much. We're running out of time. But let's read verse uh, 21. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions. Oh, you guys, I was just talking about that. I forgot that we were going to read that verse. We were just talking about that. For those of us who are believers, once, once we were alienated and we were hostile in our minds, why? How, how, how do you know that we were hostile to God in our minds? Because of the way that we lived. The things that we did. The ways that we sinned against God. God said, you shall not lie. Here I go lying. It gets me out of trouble. God said, do not steal. Here I go stealing. I want that CD. You guys remember CDs? Probably you guys probably don't remember. I used to steal CDs. God says, do not commit adultery. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust for her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Oh boy, have I broken that. There's, there's just, there's so many things. Our, our lives were against God. Our lives were against God. We were once, for those of us who are believers, we were once alienated and hostile in our minds, expressed in our evil actions. Verse 22 though, believers, ooh, here's a good one. But now, but now he has reconciled you. Now he has reconciled you. He has brought you back. That relationship that was severed because of your sin between you and God, he has reconciled that relationship. How? By his physical body through his death. To present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. Jesus Christ died on that cross and he rose again from the dead because God said that sacrifice was sufficient. My wrath has been satisfied. And so now the offer is, hey, do you, do you want this? Like you're, you're, you were born with a condemnation over you. You were born to be damned because of your sin. And God is saying, hey, look, I took the punishment for you. I was condemned for you. I was condemned on your behalf. If you, if you take it, if you take this free gift, I'm offering this to you as a free gift. If you take this gift, I'll take that condemnation away from you. I'll throw it away. You'll never see it again. And you'll have salvation. It's yours if you take it. So that's the offer that he makes to everybody here. But if you don't take it, if you refuse it, your condemnation will remain on you. And when you die and you stand before God, you know what you're going to get. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. But let's read verse 20, 23 real quick. Let's start at verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. This is what will be, this is, this will be your story. If you believe in Jesus, if you take Jesus by faith, if you receive Jesus by faith, this will be your story. He will present you before God. He will be holy and faultless and blameless. Verse 23. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So the reason I wanted to read that is I didn't want to offer cheap grace because God doesn't offer cheap grace. 
It's not, hey, take this forgiveness, take this forgiveness, and then you never have to worry about living for God again. Absolutely not. God says, take this forgiveness. It's a free gift. But now that you've taken this forgiveness, I'm going to actually live inside of you. I'm going to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit will live inside of you, empowering you to live a life that is worthy of the Lord, like we read. Following Jesus, pursuing him, and saying no to sin. I'm not the same person. There are many believers in here who are not the same person that they used to be before coming to Christ. And that's the testimony of God's power to save and God's power to change. And so this is a free gift of salvation, and God has done this because he loves you. But after you get that free gift, God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you, and now you have, you got, you got a job to do. But here's the thing, now you can. Now you actually have the ability to do this job because you're no longer a slave to sin anymore. Now you're a slave to Christ. So that is a free gift offered to everybody. Um, I want to just put it out there. If there's anybody who wants to make a proclamation of faith, anybody want to make a proclamation? Anybody want to believe in this gospel? Anybody see their need for Jesus? Anybody? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. I thank you that we, got, uh, we were able to get into your word, even just a little bit, God. Um, but I pray, Father, that this word uh, would continue to move, Lord, that your gospel would, would touch the hearts of those who need to be touched, Lord, and that you would open the eyes of the blind, God, the same way that you opened my eyes and the same way that you opened the eyes of those in here who are believers, God. Um, oh, Lord, just open their eyes to see their great need for you. Um, yeah, open their eyes, God. And um, yeah, I just pray the rest of this night would be, uh, would be glorifying to you, Lord, and it would be a good time. In Jesus' name, amen.